You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. E-S-N-Y. episode of the Hoops Addicts Anonymous podcast, an Elite Sports NY production, first podcast of the week, um, recording on Monday, uh, 29th of March, a little past 8 p.m. Rolling as always with my co-host Chip Murphy. Chip, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. Happy birthday to the legend Walt Clyde Frazier, 76 years old today. Absolutely. Uh, Walt Clyde, happy birthday indeed. Um, I don't have the TV on right now, but I can only imagine the type of suit that he has on as uh, Knicks are are playing at this moment. But um, post-trade deadline, you know, we we did a a post-trade deadline pod kind of wrapping up some of the deals uh, that occurred. And, you know, particularly the Magic and the Denver Nuggets were involved in probably one of the biggest deals of the trade deadline, uh, of course, with Aaron Gordon uh, heading over to Denver. And to help us wrap that up and, and just kind of dive through and break down everything that's been Denver Nuggets this year, um, we have our guy Harrison Wind from DNVR Sports making his return to the Hoops Addicts Anonymous podcast. Harris, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing great, guys. I can't believe I have the honor of being the guest that's on the podcast on uh, Clyde Frazier's birthday. But um, I feel honored. So so thank you for having me on on today of all days. Of course. It's man. definitely an honor to be on on Clyde's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> it is, man. Absolutely. And um, you know what? We, we thought we would just get right into it here. Um, that I, I have a couple of different questions about the Aaron Gordon deal. And it, it's such an interesting deal for a lot of different reasons. But I know there were some rumors kind of linking the Nuggets to Gordon ahead of the trade deadline. But I just kind of wanted to start it off with just just leading up to the deadline. What were you expecting from the Nuggets overall? Did you think that they were going to try and make a home run swing for you know a young star that they could kind of pair with this really exciting core of, of young players that they have um, last year? They were in the conversation for, you know, Drew Holiday. That didn't happen. How surprised were you when they actually dealt for Gordon? And how? what did you feel about what they gave up? Yeah, I was a little surprised because leading up to the deadline, I knew they had legitimate interest in Gordon. But if you were to ask me a couple weeks ago, you know, would they come out of the trade deadline with Aaron Gordon? I probably would have said no. And that wasn't because I thought that interest was fake or they were leading people on or anything, but just 
The Nuggets have had a lot of interest in bigger name trade targets before uh, from Drew Holiday, uh, it, probably the latest one to, you know, guys going back years and years and years, and they just never pulled the trigger. And I think rightfully so in all of those deals. So I was a little surprised that they uh, came away from the deadline with Aaron Gordon. And I think a, a big reason why I was surprised because everybody thought the Celtics were the real front runner and the real favorite. And it seemed like in the end, the Celtics might've pulled the bait and switch like they've done time and time again. And Denver seems like they were just kind of sitting there with the best offer on the table. And it was an offer they were comfortable with. And in comparison to all those deals, you know, for Drew Holiday, for others that they've flirted with in the past, they felt good about what they were sending out. And I really think it's a fair package in the end, especially for Denver. I mean, to trade for Aaron Gordon and you're giving up Gary Harris, a guy who's barely been healthy this season, and because of his health, I don't think is on a great contract. He's owed $20 million pretty much this year and next year, so you get off of that. And then you give up a first-round pick, which you know the Nuggets are going to be a good team going forward, so that's going to be a late first-round pick. And then you give up R.J. Hampton, who the Nuggets were very high on, and I wasn't sure if they would you know, go that step and give up on Hampton because we know the Nuggets and Tim Connolly love their prospects. They've got to keep that pipeline going. But I think in the end, they looked at it and said, hey, we've got Nikola Jokic playing at an MVP level. There might be a little crack in the door in the Western Conference. We've got to do right by our guys and just kind of go for it. And so they ended up giving up RJ Hampton. I think it was a really fair package. And I've heard people around the league say, you know, this is what the Nuggets gave up to get Aaron Gordon. That's a great deal. Yeah, I, uh, I, it's, it's funny. I, Harrison, I, I, I want to get your take a little bit more on the pick too, because I, I've heard people go two ways about it, and I think Chip and I both feel like of the of the deals that the Magic made. Um, I think they, from their perspective, I think the Gordon one was one of the better ones that they did. But I also left feeling like, wow, that's all it took to get Aaron Gordon at the same time. And the, the pick is a 2025 pick. In my mind, I guess you could look at it as well. You know, the Nuggets are going to continue to be good because they have a lot of good young talent and they're locked up for a lot of years. Now, Jokic's contract ends in 2023, but... You know, and I know uh, Chip and I were talking about this on a previous pod too. Like, we both think Jokic will be a Nugget for life, and I'm sure whether it's this season, next season, they'll get they'll get started talking on an extension. So I think I guess conventional thinking would probably have you believe that that pick is not going to be that useful. Do you think that there's you know any world where that pick could be pretty valuable if if either one of the young guys gets traded or or maybe there's some unforeseen snags with with a, a future Jokic deal because Murray's locked up um I'll ask you about Gordon's kind of future with the team later on uh -huh. um and of course Michael Porter Jr there's there's questions about him too but do you, are you pretty confident that that'll that'll be a pretty you know late round first round pick yeah I'm pretty confident I'm pretty confident look anything can happen in this league we know that um, but I would be pretty stunned if, 
the Nuggets and Nicole Jokic just didn't come to terms with an extension, a supermax deal, whenever he's eligible to sign that. I think it's not this summer, but potentially next summer. I'd be pretty surprised if it wasn't on the first day when that extension was eligible to be signed that he didn't commit to Denver for, you know, the next five years. I, I'd be pretty shocked if that didn't happen. And look, if they have Nikola Jokic under contract, they're probably going to be a playoff team. It, it might just be as simple as that. So, yeah, I have a hard time seeing that pick really coming by, back to bite Denver. I, I think if you were to ask the Nuggets, they were more okay with giving up the first rounder than R.J. Hampton. They really, really liked R.J. Hampton, and I did too. That was the tougher asset for them to give up. And, you know, when it comes to just kind of the Nuggets' long-term outlook, I, I just have a really hard time envisioning them slipping to, like, tanking territory or really falling out of the playoff picture. Um, because, yes, they have Murray locked up. Like I just said, Jokic, he's not going anywhere. I, I know this is the NBA and everything can happen, but Nikola Jokic is – is kind of the the one guy who um, doesn't fit the rule. He's going to be in Denver for a long, long time. And the amount of trades the Nuggets have turned down for Michael Porter Jr., they've fully committed to him now. They, they've put in so much to him. They've turned down, you know, they could have James Harden on this team right now. They, they could have so many guys, uh, so many all-stars, but they refused all those offers from Michael Porter Jr. So they're going to do – what they need to do, I think, to keep him in Denver uh, as long as he wants to be here. So it's tough for me to see that pick really turning into something super fruitful. Yeah, and I think Orlando is really high on Hampton too because they scouted yeah. him during the draft and wanted him. So that makes sense that they went after him. I think they're just banking on, like you said, the NBA is crazy. They're just banking on something happening by 2025 and that pick mattering. But it is a long shot. But Getting back to AG real quick, I, I didn't get a chance to catch his entire debut. I caught some highlights. I, I wanted to get your take on what you thought of him because from the highlights, I noticed he was playing a much more comfortable, suitable role from him that he should be like. He was cutting a lot, screening more. He was spotting up some. At, so what was your take on what you saw from AG? Yeah, so my biggest question about Gordon when Denver acquired him was, you know, how willing would he be to be the fourth or fifth option on the Nuggets starting lineup? Because that's what he is. And even last night for the first half, he was the fifth option because Will Barton had this huge first half and was super aggressive, like Will is a lot of times. So he was really the fifth option for most of that game. And I thought he looked great because in Orlando these last several years, I mean, he's been a little miscast, maybe not a little, really miscast as like a lead offensive guy and I know we only averaged 12 uh, shot attempts per game for the Magic so far this season uh, but you know going back a couple years ago he was you know that number one number two guy next to Nikola Vucevic and that is not really the role for him the offense that the Nuggets run uh, the cutting the ball movement the player movement that really suits him well because he's a really high IQ player and just putting him in a Nikola Jokic system Basketball is like never going to be easier for Aaron Gordon than it's going to be right now. He really doesn't have to do much. He probably never actually needs to dribble and he'll be able to put up like 12, eight or you know, like 12, six and three. 
on a nightly basis, just playing off Nicole Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. So I was very curious to see if he was just going to let the game come to him and just really play off of those guys, be a secondary, tertiary, playmaker, scoring option. And that's what he was. And even speaking to him over the last couple of days, he's really buying into that. Um, he's really just focused on being a defensive stopper. And he's fine with being a total complimentary guy on the offensive end. And that's best case for the Nuggets. It must have just been such a total culture shock for him to go from Orlando to Denver <laughs> yeah. like that and play. Like, obviously, Vucevic is really, really good, but to go from that roster to going to where he is in Denver. Now he must've just been like in heaven, like to, he's going to have more open shots in his first game in Denver than he had all season in Orlando. It's just crazy. That must've been so impressive for him. I can't imagine. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, totally. So Orlando in Aaron Gordon, seven seasons, never had a top 20 offense. Their best yeah. offense when Aaron Gordon was there was 22nd in the league. I think that was in uh, 2018, 2019. So for him to go to that, from that to where just every basket is just a grind, every possession is a grind to get a good look. Now, and I wrote this last night, with the talent that the Nuggets have on the floor, particularly with, with their starting lineup, it's almost, guys, it's almost a disappointment if they didn't get a layup or a wide open three last night because you really felt like if they worked the ball and ran their offense, they could get one of those two looks. So I agree with you. It's got to be such a shock. And last night, he was just in such a good mood. He, um, in like his post-game media session, people were asking him, like, how fun was it to be out there to play in this high uh, tempo offense? And he just was smiling like the whole time. He couldn't even get the words out. So, yeah, he's got to be uh, just thrilled right now. I saw, obviously, the big standing point right now with him is he's shooting 37% from three, four and a half attempts, but he's also shooting 42.4% on catch and shoot threes on two and a half attempts, which, I mean, if he can keep something like that, even remotely close to that throughout the season, that would be incredible for Denver. But he's never shot catch and shoot threes like that. He's never shot the three like that at all. Are you at all confident he can keep the shot going like that throughout the year. Do you think he needs to, what's your take on the shooting with Gordon? It's probably my one concern because going from Paul Millsap to Aaron Gordon, in the starting lineup, look across the board, I think just collectively it's a huge upgrade, but Paul Millsap's a better shooter than Aaron Gordon is just like straight up. He's been a better shooter for these last couple of years. Um, and even even watching Gordon yesterday warm up, um, I'm just not a believer in the jumper. But the reason for hope is that playing alongside Nikola Jokic, I think guys just gain confidence. The offense comes so easy, and everything is in such a rhythm that the Nuggets run. Maybe his shots are going to start falling and his confidence is going to go up. But yeah, the shooting is is my one concern. Uh, then again, look like he's playing in a starting lineup alongside four guys who are very above average shooters. And, and if he's the only guy who's like average or slightly below average, I think Denver's going to be more than okay. But yeah, it, it's like the one thing that, um, that definitely kind of stands out. I mean, he had a corner three last night and maybe it was just nerves a little bit that barely hit the net. It, it was like one of the worst air balls I've ever seen from the corner. 
it, it barely grazed the net. Um, and then he made a three also. That looked good. So, yeah, it, it's probably the one, like, I don't even want to categorize it as a concern, but I guess little drawback that he kind of has. Where do you think adding him puts the Nuggets? In terms, because I, I was listening to low posts with Zach Lowe. I think Bobby Marks was on, and they were talking about where it puts the Nuggets in terms of, you know, like with the Lakers and Clippers and all the upper echelon teams like the Jazz. Do you think, obviously, they were in the Western Conference Finals last year. Do you think, and it wouldn't be a total shock if they made it again. So mm-hmm. do you think they, this, obviously, they have one of the deepest starting fives in the league now. They have five really good players in the starting in their starting five do you think this gives them a chance to win the whole thing well i definitely think they can get back to the conference finals and Mm -hmm. if they were to match up against the lakers i think they match up way better with them this year than they did last year Uh, i think aaron Gordon's more equipped to guard lebron james than jeremy grant was uh he's stronger he's thicker He's got more experience. I think I think he's a little more of a, a high IQ guy than Jeremy Grant, particularly on the defensive end. Um, so I think they match up better. And the other thing about the Nuggets right now, and this was just so evident last night, I know they were playing the Atlanta Hawks, but who's going to guard these guys? <laughs> like, who is going to put five defenders on the floor that – can keep Murray, Jokic, Porter, Gordon, Barton. Who, who's going to keep? Who's going to put five defenders on the floor that can keep these guys in check? I, I think if I'm Denver, like that's the hand I'm going to be trying to play. If I get into a series against the Lakers, I, I think the Clippers probably are the one team that you can write down on paper and say, yeah, they have a chance to guard Denver, but. I just wonder if Denver can just overwhelm teams offensively. Uh, Harrison, last uh, Gordon question before we move on. Um, Do you feel like it's a foregone conclusion that this is now the core four and uh, between Michael Porter Jr. I know we talked earlier about the team being very committed to him and holding off on pulling the trigger on some trades that might've had him included Gordon, Jokic, Murray, Um, I I guess my question is more geared towards ownership being willing to pay either luxury tax. I know the the move for Gordon actually saves them money this year um, because Gordon is is making less than uh, Gary Harris. But just in the future, in terms of them being over the cap, potentially being a luxury cap threshold, you know, do you think ownership is is committed to just paying that if this is the team that gives them the best chance at the Lakers? So it's going to be interesting. I mean, the talking or I guess the party line has been ownership will pay the tax if they field a team that they deem to be a true contender. Um, obviously, they haven't thought they had a true contender in the past. I'd have to think that this team would fall under the category of true contender. Um, I mean, I, I guess that depends on what happens this season, but you're totally right. If they want to keep this group together, they'll of course have to dip into the tax because how the Nuggets books line up is 
Michael Porter Jr.'s rookie extension, that will go into effect the same time when Aaron Gordon's new contract could go into effect. And if Denver wants to keep those two around, yeah, they'll likely have to go into the tax. Um, And obviously that's two years from now. That's a while from now. We'll see how the Gordon fit works out going forward. Um, But if they go on a run this year and they get back to the Western Conference Finals, even, you know, if they don't go to the finals, but they're just really, really competitive in a Western Conference Finals series, I've got to think that they would believe this is the group, especially because you're bringing in Gordon this year and he's only got a couple months to ramp up before the playoffs. Who knows what an offseason and a whole regular season around this core, the Jokic-Murray-Porter core would do for him uh, in, in another year before going to the playoffs again. So if this team's competitive, yeah, I've got to think they would deem this a championship contender and be okay paying the tax. And, and probably a big part of whether that decision is going to be easy or not um, is, is interesting, not interestingly enough, but it, it's going to have a lot to do with Jokic, right? Like Nikola Jokic is clearly the, the fulcrum of the team, um, the star, the, the MVP candidate. I was just looking at some of his numbers and I know I listened a little bit back to when we had you on last season and, you know, we, we, we definitely talked very glowingly about Jokic and we're going to do so again uh, this season, Uh, you know, on the cusp of a 50, 40, 90 season, 26, 11 and eight, just ridiculous numbers. Um, And it's, and it's just to put them even into context. Right. And like, of course, Harrison, like, you know, this, like you're around, him and the team. So it's, it's no big thing for you, but like Chip and I are pumped about Julius Randall's all-star season where he's 23, 10 and, you know, five. Right. And, and Jokic is putting up those numbers and better just year after year. Um, Is there anything you can tell us, you know, from the summer? Cause it just seems like he gets, he keeps getting better. What is he doing in the off season to just literally, make the NBA look like he's varsity playing in a JV league at times with, with some of the numbers that he's putting up. Yeah. So this year with Jokic, the biggest two things, there's been an on-court change and kind of an off-court change as well. The on-court one is he's just being more aggressive in the post. Like just point blank. He's just a more aggressive scorer. Um, He's just not wasting around. He's not messing around this year. In the past, he'd be in the post. He'd be in a pass-first mindset. He'd kind of bait the double team into coming and then you know, be willing to pass it out, and Denver would move the ball and get an open shot. And it was still amazing offense, and Denver it was still a top-five offense, and Jokic was an MVP candidate like two seasons ago, uh, finished fourth in MVP voting. Um, but this year, I mean, if he has single coverage in the post for a minute, He's backing his man down and just pinning him under the basket and scoring. So there's really no second guessing anymore. If he has an advantage in the post, he's just going to pummel his man, back him down and score. I mean, he's among the most efficient post scores in the league this year. So he's just got a really more focused mindset when he's got the ball in a good position. And the off the court part is really over the last year and this was big with him over the off season 
and throughout this season. I mean, the dude has become a weight room warrior. Yeah. And it, it's it's honestly been unbelievable. Just talking to Nugget staffers and their strength coaches and whatnot, the guy hasn't missed a post-game weightlifting session in two years. You like said, the only you said post-game, not pre-game, post-game lifting. Right. Post-game wow. lifting. After every win, after every loss, the guy works out. And it's gotten to a point now where he was the one who really started this at the beginning of last year. And now Denver has like half their roster lifting weights after games with him. But he's been this total weight room warrior. And it's totally carried over to games, even though he's obviously dropped weight from where he was last year and a couple seasons ago, but the guy is still so strong and he doesn't get tired either. I mean, I think he still played the second most minutes in the league behind Julius Randle, your guy. Um, That that might've changed over the last couple of days, but I'm pretty sure he's played the second most minutes in the league and he's the focal point of one of the top offenses. So I I think those are the two biggest changes. Do you, or can you point to any specific moment when it flipped that you noticed, like when Jokic started to, you know, maybe get in the weight room more when his, you know, when his stamina changed, I don't know, because that used to obviously be a huge criticism of him that right. you know, people used to point to that. Cause I was going to ask you about his weight. Cause obviously we all remember that skinny Jokic jokes when that came out. So I wanted to ask you about that. If you could, point to any moment like when you noticed he you know like the switch flip for him or something there's one moment where I noticed it and I, I think this is around when it started um, at the beginning of last season at the beginning of the 2019-2020 season they played the Lakers at home in December and lost and Anthony Davis had a nice game, 25 and 10, and Jokic really struggled. It was one of his worst games of the season. And it just seemed like a light went on in his head, a switch flip for him where you know, he had really dominated and had his way with almost every matchup center-wise in the league. He had great games against Gobert. This is even before, obviously, last year's playoffs and that seven-game series against Utah. But he'd had really good games against Gobert before. He'd had really good games where he's beat Joe and beat before. But Anthony Davis was kind of the one guy that still really had his way with him or still really was able to do what he wanted against Jokic. And he had a great night that night. Anthony Davis did. And from that moment on, and this was obviously when media was in locker rooms and whatnot, and we were way uh, more up close and around these guys. But, you know, he'd come down after games into the locker room dripping with sweat and we're like wait where'd this guy go and he went upstairs to lift weights and you know the nuggets weight room after games after 20 point wins um so that seems like to me when it really flipped uh, at the beginning of last year in december of last year and it's really carried forward yeah it seems like he takes the anthony davis matchups very personally not like in a negative way like he really looks forward to them and wants to beat Anthony Davis like he has a lot of respect for him the way he talks about Davis so that I mean that's a good thing obviously that he's keyed in on who his peers are he can tell yeah no doubt no doubt and he's also a guy Jokic is who's 
over his career, just gotten up for big time matchups. I remember just going back a couple of years, whenever the Nuggets and the Timberwolves would face off. And a couple of years ago, it's, it's easy to forget now, but Minnesota was kind of regarded by people as almost having a brighter future than Denver with Carl Towns. Everybody thought yeah. Carl Towns was going to be a better all around player than Nikola Jokic. It wasn't even a discussion, but they also had Jimmy Butler and some nice other pieces. And in those games, he would absolutely get up for playing against Carl Towns. The same thing against Joel Embiid. The same thing against Rudy Gobert. And so, yeah, I agree. It's kind of a similar thing with Davis you know, from that point last season. Man, people, I remember when Carl Anthony Towns was at the top of those GM survey lists. Like, yeah, who would yeah. you want to build your franchise Totally. Around? Yeah, he was all the way at the top. That's crazy to think about that now, huh? <laughs> Um, Harrison switching gears completely from Jokic um, the Nuggets just always seem to draft guys that fit really uh, well into their team and a a guy that I wanted to talk with you a little bit about tonight if you could just kind of give us kind of like a peek behind the curtain in terms of what he's brought to the team I've only seen highlights but Facundo Campazzo uh, seems like a really big fan favorite a guy that if you're watching you just you you key on him immediately because he's hard to miss just in terms of what he can do on a basketball court. Um, what has he brought to this team and, and what do you see as kind of his role going forward? He has brought just a bulldog-like mentality on the defensive end of the floor. He's unbelievable to watch, you guys. Just, just watching this team every night. The minute that Faku checks into the game, um, you never really know what's going to happen. Like he does stuff on the defensive end of the floor that most NBA players just never even think about doing. There will be like one to two possessions per game where he'll pull a surprise full court press and like deflect the ball off of the other team's inbound pass off of the opposing point guard that he's guarding and, and gain a possession for Denver. <laughs> there will be times when He just totally goes out of the Nuggets defensive scheme and does some double team that he's probably not supposed to do or you're usually not supposed to do, but he can pull it off because he can double team somebody and somehow get back to his man without um, a lot of times really just uh, having the Nuggets defense break down. He's just like this, um, this unbelievable, unbelievably ballsy defender. And sometimes that comes to back to bite him. Um, and he's also super small as well. And yeah. teams can really take advantage of him defensively. And I'm curious to see if he can stay on the floor in the playoffs or if teams will just game plan him off the floor. Um, but he's just like this pest. He, he's like this fly that's always around people. And you've seen it in a couple games this year. The Nuggets went up against the Wizards and Bradley Beal. And like Bradley Beal got legitimately pissed off and frustrated at Kimpazo. He's done this with a number of all-star guys this year where he'll just get under their skin for a possession. Sounds kind of like JJ Barea. Yeah. 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 And and he just like, doesn't care. He he doesn't care who anybody is. And, And really it's funny because it's not like any of these guys really know who he is either. They've probably heard of him, but, um, yeah, he's just uh, he's just always going 120 miles an hour, and he's just like this fly that's always around people, 
Um, and he's a guy that people hate when he's around them. I also feel like you're describing Pablo Prigioni when he was yeah. with the Knicks, especially when you talked about that full court press and like defending the inbounds play. That was something uh, Priggy used to do for us all the time. We used to love watching that. Love Prigioni. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another another thing I wanted to ask you is is more of a question about the offense. Just in looking at some of the Nuggets stats today, especially with their individual players, I was really surprised to see they had like six guys that are shooting above 37% from three. Um, I think they're fifth in the league in terms of three-point percentage. What is it about this offense? Is it just, you know, as simple as to say, well, listen, you have one of the best passing big men in, in Nikola Jokic and, and guys that can hit shots. It's going to look like that. Is there anything from a coaching standpoint that you feel like Mike Malone is doing different than this year than in years past? You know, what's kind of your take on it? Well, I think a big part of it, and I was kind of talking about this when I gave some reason for hope when it comes to Aaron Gordon's three-point shooting, it's just that everything is in a rhythm. Right. Most, most shots that Denver takes, the open threes, even the contested threes that they get, it's all in a rhythm. And going back and watching a team like the Magic, because I, I did watch a bunch of Magic games when that Aaron Gordon trade was rumored about and when it happened, just to kind of get a feel of how he played. But it's just striking. And watching the Nuggets, I, I've just been spoiled. But it's striking to watch another team that, you know, where the offense just doesn't run smooth at all. And everything's like so herky-jerky and guys go out of the system and whatnot. Everything with the Nuggets is so in rhythm. Um, they played, uh, they play together and they routinely just pass up good shots for even better shots. And they take a lot of wide open threes as well. And, and there's also been a little bit of a shift from the coaching staff this year. This was one of the points of emphasis to take more threes and particularly corner threes. And, and I believe they're taking like a couple more per game this year, or maybe one or two per game more this year. So the quality of shots that they're getting is definitely more, but or definitely higher. But I think the bigger thing is just everything is always in a rhythm with these guys. Harrison, another um, thing I wanted to ask you about, I, I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't have some type of Michael Porter Jr. conversation. Me and Chip being Knicks fans, the Knicks getting routinely, you know, lambasted for, for not picking him. I mean, there's plenty of teams that <laughs> didn't pick him back in the day. But um, I'm interested to know just not necessarily in terms of his basketball production, but more of his maturity. I do remember last year, I forget whether it was in the bubble, there was a little bit of controversy surrounding whether he said that, oh, I think he was saying that he needed to get more shots in the offense um, during one of their playoff runs. And, you know, there were some vets. I don't know that it was necessarily within the Nuggets locker room, but just vets around the league or, or within um, commentary that kind of took issue with that. What have you seen in terms of just his maturity this year? Um, you know, he's obviously better. And, and I think he cemented himself as, as, again, a part of the core of that team. Does he seem more like a leader now? He's clearly never been short on confidence, right? That's never been an issue for him. But what have you seen in terms of kind of like his maturation and growth this year? Yeah, so I think those comments, if I remember correctly, were after game four against the Clippers when the Nuggets went down 3-1. And he was saying pretty much 
like, yeah, we got to move the ball more and we can't just be relying on the Jokic Murray two man game to beat these guys. And the funny thing is, I thought he kind of had a point. <laughs> I thought right. he kind of had a point. Yeah, yeah he probably should have handled it differently and kept that internal uh, in the locker room. But I think he was kind of right. Um, yeah, he's grown a lot this season. Um, he's really grown up. And I wouldn't say he's a leader by any means. Um, he hasn't taken it that far. But he's totally bought in to not being just a one-dimensional player. Because he, because even last year, you know, he was just a scorer. Um, that's really all he was. And the Nuggets have just tried to hammer this home to him. And Michael Malone deserves a ton of credit here. He's really just instilled in Porter. Malone has that, you know, to be an all-star type player, uh, to achieve the goals that Porter ultimately wants to achieve in this league, he's just going to have to be a capable defender. And in the playoffs last year, you know, you guys probably remember against the Jazz, against the Clippers, against the Lakers, like teams seeked him out, put him on an island, and just isoed against him time and time again. And I feel like that actually really got to Porter, and that kind of pissed him off. And, you know, he's kind of dedicated himself to becoming a better defender, and he's definitely grown uh, in that aspect this season. You know, that being said, he's still got a ways to go. He still makes defensive mistakes. Um, I would still say he's a below-average defender, but he's got the tools. Uh, he's got the length. He's got the shot-blocking ability, I think. He's got the wingspan. He's got good defensive instincts. It just kind of was waiting for him to really show some commitment, and that's what he's done this year. He showed that he wants to be a defender. Uh, he wants to be an all-around player, which wasn't the case last year. So – I started the year a little lower on him because at the beginning of the season, it just really didn't look like he had improved as a defender. But over these last couple of months, he's really taken some legitimate steps to being much better on that end. And his contract situation, it, it, it the last year of his deal is next year, Porter, right? So they'd be, yeah. Yeah. So they'd be coming up for a, a rookie extension next year. Yeah. So, but he's only, 22 he was an older yeah he was an older rookie so he's 22 years old jeff was he knox's draft um damn yes he was he was okay draft. yeah that's why you were talking about that no 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 i the porter thing is interesting because i i, I do remember when he was always the 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 guy from uh that they were going to dangle when bradley beal eventually asked for a trade that they would put right. him in the Bradley Beal talks. But now it feels like, I mean, he, it's not like he needs to be the best player on a championship team or even the second best player on a championship team because Jokic is going to be that first guy. And, you know, it looks like Murray can be that second guy. So if he can be the third best player on a championship team, why would you trade him for Bradley Beal? Especially when he's younger and it's not like Bradley, it's not like he already has chemistry with these guys. And it's not like Bradley Beal is going to step up and defend for you. And so if, like you're saying, if, if Michael Porter Jr. is buying into what Michael Malone is selling, like why move off of him? It seems like it's a, a good fit if that's what you're trying to say, right? Yeah, no doubt. I, I think the Bradley Beal thing to Denver is in the past. I, I yeah. don't think that's going to be something that Denver really ever visits again. Um, 
because they've just put so much into Porter to getting him to this point. Like I was mentioning earlier, they could have had so many guys, um, James Harden, you know, you know, like Jimmy, but like the list goes on and on and on. Um, but, but they've put so much work behind the scenes to getting him to this point. And look, like the Nuggets have already gotten this far building a homegrown team yeah. and really trying to replicate uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder with Westbrook, Harden, Durant, uh, the Spurs from the Duncan, Parker, Ginobili era. If I'm Denver, like, why deviate from that now? Right. Why? You know, just trust what you've been doing. It's gotten you this far. And, um, yeah, I, I think with how far Porter's come, and, and I totally expect them to hammer out an extension and who knows? Maybe it's a max extension with Porter. You know, that would not surprise me. We'll have to see how the playoffs go, but maybe it is. Um, I, I just have a really tough time seeing them visiting a, a Bradley Beal trade thing again. I think that's in the distant past. And I think he'll, he'll be in Denver or the Nuggets want him to be in Denver for a long time. That, I'm glad you brought that up, Harrison, that the Nuggets have done a good job because me and Jeff, live on the East coast. We don't know anything about the nuggets as much as you do covering the team. So uh, we talk about all the time, how the, we think the Knicks should build a franchise, but the nuggets have actually been doing it really well. And from our outside perspective, looking in. So, but for, I want to ask you, like, how do you like as the media and the fans, how do they view like the nuggets front office and the coaching staff and the job that they're doing? Most of the Nuggets fans are totally bought into the process. Okay. Um, because look, it, it's not that long ago that you know, like the future of this team was potentially looking like it was Yusef Nurkic and Emmanuel Mudiay. Like that was three, four years ago. It's not oh, right. in that distant of the past. Um, but yeah, I just feel like there's a really genuine sense of trust between the fan base and the front office. Look, yeah, th- there's always those times when, um, you know, there's a big name free agent or not a big name free agent, but a big name disgruntled star that becomes available and everybody wants the Nuggets to, to cash their chips and trade for that guy. But I feel like everybody who was in that camp got that wish granted with the Gordon trade. And that's why I feel like it was such a good trade for, you know, the Nuggets and their fans and everybody, because he's finally the guy that Denver, they went all in for him, but they didn't go all in at the same time because Mm -hmm. they still do have good prospects. They still do have, well, they don't actually really have any more picks to trade, but they, they still have, you know, a lot of young players. They obviously still have Porter Uh, They still have other younger guys that they like. So they were able to get that guy that everybody wanted them to go get, but also not cash out everything in the process. So I I just think there's a really healthy amount of trust between uh, the front office and the fan base. And speaking of prospects, we can't not ask you about Bull Bull because what is the situation there? Because I, I only know what I saw in the bubble and a little bit of what I've seen of him. And it was just, a he's a phenomenon pretty much. It just seems like to NBA Twitter, but for your firsthand account, what do you think of Bull Bull? <laughs> so last night, um, 
it's garbage time in the fourth quarter. And Bull comes on with, I don't even know how many minutes there were left. Five minutes, six minutes left. He finishes up with eight points, three or three shooting. He hits two threes. One of them was like a sham god step back, um, just total dead-eye three-point shot from the top of the key. That was just a stupid, stupid play. Um, but he got it to go. He's he, he's just a total mystery, guys, still. Um, he's an absolute mystery. The thing that's killed him over the last couple of years is the Nuggets haven't had a G League team. Yeah. And, yeah, he played in the G League a little last year with the Windy City Bulls, but – you know, it's not the Nuggets affiliate. It's just not quite the same thing. And that's really hurt him, I think, because he's just needed minutes and and playing time to develop. And he obviously just can't get that on a team as talented as the Nuggets. I was actually a little surprised he wasn't traded at the deadline. Um, I kind of just feel like if he's going to really take off, he might just need a change of scenery, and it's probably – I don't want to rule it out, but it's probably not going to happen in Denver. They're just too deep and they're just too talented for him to really break through right now. He probably still needs at least another year, maybe two of development, but I mean, the shot, he, he's got an incredible shot. I mean, he's one of the best shooters on the nuggets just in a practice gym. And even when he gets into the games, he just knocks down threes. Um, but he's still a ways off from, from being a role player. And I've got to think, you know, if I had to say, it probably doesn't happen in Denver as, as much as that pains me to say. Yeah. Um, he, he's definitely a fascinating player for sure. I mean, every time you see him on the court, you you go back and forth from thinking that he's just going to break in half just because he's, he's so frail. But you watch his skill set um, and the way he moves and the way he can shoot. And it's just, it's not like anything you've seen before. Uh, there's a small part of me as a Knicks fan that feels like that's kind of how I felt when I started watching Porzingis. Uh, but even more so with Bobo, I think Bobo is taller than him, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, Chip, before we let Harrison go, do you have any other questions for him? Yeah, of course. I mean, I forgot to ask it before, but I mean, Nikola Jokic is the betting favorite to win NBA MVP now. Yeah, and the Nuggets have never had an MVP, I don't think, in the history of their franchise. So I wanted to ask Harrison if he wanted to I, – I don't want to say state his case for Jokic to win MVP because Jokic has done that before, but uh, I, I assume, Harrison, you think that Jokic is deserving of MVP. Yeah, I'd say yeah. he's pretty deserving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, he is—he should be such a front runner in this race right now that you know he looks back and he like can't even see anybody in his rearview mirror. Like he is such a front runner. He's so far ahead, or he should be so far ahead for MVP, where it just should be an open and shut case. Probably, you know, as long as the Nuggets don't really fall off and you know, slip to the playing game or whatever, which I don't think they will, but he's not just having a great season. He's having an all-time historic offensive season. He's having one of the best offensive seasons in NBA history, like one of the top five offensive seasons ever. And it's just like wild to me. And it's actually not wild to me why, you know, um, he still might not win it because – Look, it's in 
the best interest of ESPN uh, of anybody to say, Oh, you know, look at James Harden. Um, yeah. Look at Damian Lillard. There's an MVP race going on here. It's in that be- their best interest. So I- I'm not surprised that like, yes, people just aren't handing him the award. Um, and, and, and look, maybe, you know, in the end, like he doesn't win it, which would be like a, a huge, uh, it would be a, a huge disappointment. Um, I might have to open it, uh, launch an investigation. Like I, I might have to do something. Um, well, it's, but it's, yes, funny. Yeah. it's funny that you say that. Cause I was actually just going to ask you if you had a vote, right. Um, but let's just say you couldn't vote for Jokic. I would, I was wondering because when people do bring Harden into the conversation, of course, his production with Brooklyn has been unreal. But there are people that feel uh, really, really turned off with the way that he handled himself in Houston. Is is that something that would deter you from voting for him, or you would just say, "Listen, the numbers are the numbers, and I don't think James Harden is the best player in the NBA this year." Um, I would probably be okay with putting him on the ballot, but it would be tough for me to vote him first just with him pretty much tanking his way out of Houston. Right. Like how he was playing at the beginning of the season, he was legitimately trying to be a bad player. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and I don't know if I could, you know, have that happen and put him number one. If I needed to vote for somebody number one, other than Jokic, I'd probably vote Giannis. Yeah, I think that's fair too. Yeah, Giannis has been amazing, and the and the Bucks are red hot right now too. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Harrison, before before we wrap up here, uh, one thing that we've been doing new with some of our guests here, we've been fascinated with how people have been spending their time and. Um, a miss quarantine and also just whether they're, you know, engaged in any of the, the streaming services that are out there, what people are watching out there. So if you have any streaming recommendations, Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, otherwise, um, please hit us with some of your favorites. Did you guys watch The Undoing? No, see, I've never even heard of no. it. Now I have to put it on the list. What is it about? <laughs> So The Undoing is this miniseries. Um I forget what streaming service I it's, think it's on. HBO, right? HBO. HBO. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's HBO. It's with Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman. It's not even the type of show I would normally watch, but me and my girlfriend started watching it. I think it's a six episode series. Me and my girlfriend started watching it one night at like 9 p.m. The next thing we knew, it was 4 a.m. And we were like, <laughs> all right, we got to watch the sixth episode. Wow. And I, I'm not going to ruin it, but I think throughout the sixth episode, it was like 4 a.m. And we didn't say a word to each other the entire time. We were just watching it. <laughs> and like, it's honestly, guys, never the show I would watch. It's not my type of show at all. But we flipped show at all. But we flipped it on. And... For the next like seven hours, I don't know if we spoke to each other because we were just locked in. I would check it out. I would check it out. 
That uh, that's definitely going to be on my list for sure. Um, I know Chip Chip put me on to Ted Lasso on Apple TV, which I just finished. I think yesterday or two days ago. Absolutely amazing show for anybody out there that cares. Um, really really fun show, and I'm like knee deep into the the servant right now on Apple TV as well. That's for like a little psychological thriller, kind of like horror ish, um, which I've been really enjoying as well too. Yeah, I think I'm the only person without an Apple TV right now. So I got to well, get on that. I got a free subscription with the, I, I upgraded my iPhone like, I don't know, three or four months ago. And so they gave me a free subscription uh, for Apple TV with it. So I was like, you know what? Let me make the most of this. Uh, there you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Chip, what about I would, you? I would recommend the show Snowpiercer on TNT. Yeah, it's right. it's very good. Yeah. Uh I think you can get all the episodes on Amazon Prime or Hulu, one of those two. And uh, it's based on the movie, the Chris Evans movie, but it starts, it's most of the TNT shows aren't very good, I know, but this one's very good. It's uh, David Diggs stars in, uh, and Jennifer Connelly is in season one. And then I don't want to spoil too much of it, but season two, uh, Sean Bean shows up. And basically changes the whole show and obviously makes it a thousand times more awesome. But see, season one is still very good and it's totally worth watching, especially even if you haven't seen the movie, you can watch the show and then go back and watch the movie at some point. But it it's very fun. It's, it's basically like post-apocalyptic. The, the world freezes over and becomes uninhabitable and everybody that's left alive goes on this train. Yeah. And they're separated into like the rich and the poor. So it's, it's, it's very good. And it's TNT Snowpiercer. Check it out. I'll have to check that out. And, yeah, and like w- with how this last year has gone, that yeah. scenario, you know, I know maybe it's, maybe it's on the table. Oh, it's very, it's <laughs> very intriguing because of that. Like the, in the pilot episode, when the people are fighting to try and get onto the train too. And oh, like yeah. the guards are like killing them to keep them off. It's like, Oh my God. This is, especially since they started making it before the pandemic. It's like, oh, this is eerie. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love shows like that. Yeah. Um, well, listen, Harrison, thank you so much, man, for coming on tonight. Uh, we very much appreciate you uh, taking some time to talk Nuggets basketball. Uh, before we let you go, if, if you could just tell all the good people listening where they can find your work, where they can find you on Twitter, if you're working on anything right now that you want to promote, you know, please do so. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm happy to come on whenever and talk with you. Uh, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, at Harrison Wind, H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N-W-I-N-D. And the only thing I'll plug is at DNVR, we do a pregame show and a postgame show for every Nuggets game that's streamed on YouTube. Uh, the YouTube account is just DNVR underscore sports. It's a super fun pregame show. Uh, goes live 30 minutes before every Nuggets game. And then we do a post-game show as well. Um, we don't just talk about the Nuggets either. It's, it's a really fun NBA show. So tune into that um, if you're looking to, you know, mix it up from, you know, your, your local or your uh, regular nightly viewing. Most definitely. Um, well, thank you again for coming on. Uh, we hope all is well with you and for all of uh, the people that are listening. Hope you guys are staying safe and we will talk to you soon.